0: This is Sound & Vision on KEXP. I'm Emily Fox. Zola Jesus is out with a new record. It's called Archon, and she joins me now to talk about it. Hello.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: So I love the sound, vocalization, and percussion on this first track, Lost. I understand that this song was built off of a loop of a Slovenian folk choir that you sampled from YouTube. Tell me more about this track.
1: So I, I wrote "Lost" basically off of a loop of a sample that I would made, and instantly I just felt like, from the sound of the the looping sample, like I was just very inspired by the sense of not only roots, like my own roots, reaching back to Slovenia where my some of my ancestors are from, but You know, just like the search for roots in this modern day when it's harder to find. So, yeah, I was very inspired by that. It happened really fast.
0: In your song, Sewn, there is a different language that you sing at the very, very end of that track. What language is that? Russian? Russian? Russian, okay, because I understand that. So your family, I believe, before moving to the U.S., lived in Ukraine, and you are both Ukrainian, Russian, other backgrounds. Yeah. Um, And I'm curious why you wanted to include Russian in this album.
1: Well, I I speak Russian, and so I I thought it would be something fun to sing in Russian because I never have before.
0: just with everything that's going on right now between Russia and Ukraine, I'm just curious like what what you've been reflecting on based on your family's background, but also just like as a, as a musician, do you feel like you need to speak out about what's been
1: happening between Russia and Ukraine these past few months? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely been really horrifying to witness and being so far away from it. Um, I just feel powerless to do anything. That's why, you know, my platform is my music. And so I do feel it sort of encouraging to be able to put my political frustrations in a song in one way or another. And I think also, like, the power now of reflecting back on the song Sewn and, and having sung the first verse that I sing in English, I repeat it in Russian. And it's, you know, Sewn together as the fist of God won't belong to weather if we bite and claw. I like that because I think with all the political tensions in Russia, like I, I have so much love for the Russian people and for the Ruskaya, the, the Russian soul. The Ruska Dusha. And I, I think that a country that's been so ravaged by authoritarianism in its history, like it's it's a beautiful thing to remind people to to really just like wake up and to dive deep and to really like question everything, including like all of the propaganda but you know, I I just, I want my music at the end of the day to be a unifier between all humans.
0: Another track on this record that I want to talk about is The Fall and I absolutely love the sound of this and I understand that you form this track off of your demo vocals like you're so strong vocally and for this to just to be like kind of a scratch track kind of first take and then just being able to form a song around it I I absolutely love that and your vocals sound so just I don't know real and energetic. Tell me how this track came together.
1: The fall happened just one night I went into my studio and I was going through a really serious writer's block. And it was a frustrating writer's block because I had so much to say that I needed to get out. But I kept intellectualizing the songwriting process so much that I couldn't really just let go and and surrender to to the muse and to the moment. And so I made a promise with myself, okay, I'm gonna go into the studio, I'm just gonna write a song that feels good for me. Like, and it's gonna be fun, and it might be a little stupid, you know, it might be a little sassy, but but it, no one's gonna hear it, so who cares, it's just for me. So I write the song, The Fall, and I wasn't sure if my, you know, the people that I work with, like my manager or my label or whatever, and I wasn't sure that they liked it because it was quite poppy, but for me it was so precious because it was this moment when I allowed myself the freedom to just make something that was healing for me in the moment. And um, I think that that imprinted itself onto the song so much that, that it's, it's palpable, you know? And so it's a really powerful song for me, even if it is like a very poppy. It was really cathartic to make.
0: You've also been open about your struggles with depression, and those struggles can be heard in the track, Ephemera. Tell me what you were going through emotionally when you wrote that track.
1: I wrote that track in 2020. And so, as you can imagine, there was a lot of hysteria happening in America. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> a lot of chaos, and it was the first time in my life, when, and maybe I'm grateful to have had to experience this like later in life, but like, it was the first time in my life when I realized that like the future may not look like anything I've seen before, and that it may be much worse than anything that I've experienced in my life. After 2020 I realized through that mania and hysteria and, and just seeing the phrase of society that, that things are really dangerously evolve very quickly or devolve. So I was really fighting my anxiety, I have panic attacks, depression, <laughs> depressive episodes, like I, I really struggle with like a melancholic personality, obviously it's in my music, that's why it's called goth is because it's always very emotional. Um, but. It was just a very hard time for me, and so Ephemera was another very cathartic song that I used in an attempt to kind of channel that, that, that fear and confusion and anxiety.
0: how like art and music plays a part when you're struggling with either a panic attack or a depressive episode do you feel like you get writer's block when that happens or does music help fuel you like I'm curious what the role of music is when you're when you're going through um, some of these emotional or emotionless moments
1: well at that moment I had I hit kind of a turning point but Before then, my writer's block was mostly fed by this fear of failure, which means that I was holding the key to validation to the public. And so my writing was never my own process. It was something that I always had to share with other people. So it always felt like there was this compromise or this puzzle that I had to put together. And In that sense, I did feel blocked because I didn't feel motivated to write because I didn't feel like I had any part in it. Like it was more like just filling in the blanks to appease other people. That's a really scary place to be as an artist because growing up, art and music was my way of healing and processing the world, like just running around the woods, like making up songs about whatever I was thinking or feeling. Like literally, since I was a child, I've used singing and music as a means of understanding my emotional self and and the world around me and the circumstances I was in and everything. So not being allowed to have that because I felt like I gave my power up to the external world, I felt very blocked. But then once I realized that it clicked for me where I was like, I need to do this for myself. I need to honor the muse and nothing else matters because I need this. And so that was a huge turning point for me and that's when I was like, "Oh, music is mine, this my art is mine." Like, and I need to trust that what comes out is what's meant to come out and not to meticulously criticize myself like every step of the way because nothing good can come from that. You can't get into the flow state when you're constantly in a critical mindset. Yeah.
0: So you're, you're also very critical about the music industry. I follow you on Twitter. And like, there are some things that you say that I'm like, Oh, my gosh, what an interesting perspective. (laughs) Like, I remember, like, when Spotify was was blowing up and, you know, artists were leaving Spotify because of, you know, Joe Rogan and some of his comments. And I think you saying, like, I wish I could leave, but I feel like as an independent artist, I would just be irrelevant. Like I need to be where people are, despite what I think about things ethically. It's already a struggle to survive and make a make an income off of doing your art and so sometimes you have to make those compromises and be on certain services and and you've commented on many many aspects of the music industry in the past um, specifically about just what it takes to make a living as a musician or you know just the struggles of of maintaining any sort of, of income and, and and creative expression and so I'm just curious like what are some of the things that you wish you could change about the music industry for indie artists like yourself to be able to make a better living making art?
1: Where do I start? It's so hard. hard. I mean, I think that the music industry is deeply broken from a, a structural standpoint. The way that it's structured is meant to benefit only those at the top, like so many other industries. And the way that capitalism has evolved Uh, as people call it, like late stage capitalism, where it's like capitalism eating itself. Like that's also happening to the music industry to the point where the only things that are being rewarded are the things that get the most popular. And the only way to get popular is to stimulate the attention of people in a very immediate and primal way. And that's why viral Hits, and that's why we focus on things like TikTok and in the music industry now, and things like that. And so, there's not a lot of space for artists to grow for long term careers to happen because you burn out, because you can't survive making music full time necessarily because of Spotify and all these streaming royalty rates are so low. So, then bands have to tour themselves to death, and touring is an incredibly strenuous. Hard, hard thing. It's, it's not just like going to work every day. It's like you're, you feel like you're no longer a civilian when you're on tour. And you have to do that basically 24 seven in order to make any money. And so musicians are burning out much more quickly and they're not able to satisfy their own desires of why they're sacrificing themselves to do this because they're not getting any rewards at the end of the day because they're tired and they're being told to make music more quickly, you can't really reflect, you can't have time, you can't grow as a human and put that back into the music. The content needs to be so consistent and constant that there's no moment of reflection and so much of art is about reflection and then creation and and you can't just create nonstop. Like you're going you're going to hit a wall. So it's going to bring about the death of of music unless things change and that's what I'm really I'm really focused on trying to find alternatives because this is my destiny. This is my fate. I will be a musician till the day that I die. It is the thing that I was born to do. And I know that because I've been wanting it ever since I was a child. But, like, I need to make sure that this industry is not only safe for me but safe for everybody else because, you know, music deserves better than this and musicians deserve better. And that's something that I, you know, I want to be very vocal about because if I do have a platform, I do want to use it to help other people.
0: And what do you think some of the alternatives are? Like, I know, like, at the same time, I think you've admitted, like, here I am. I started a TikTok account because that's where people are. But at the same time, you know, you you also have your fan base, Patreon, things like that. And so I'm curious what you think the alternatives are out there versus, you know, what we're seeing through, you know, things like Spotify, etc.
1: It's really hard to consider alternatives when... What we have right now is so deeply ingrained and it's so immovable that even conceiving of a different world seems kind of cynical because there's no way that it could take place necessarily unless we destroy everything that we currently have. But I think Patreon is a really good band-aid in the moment, and I think the patronage model moving forward will be the way that we can rehabilitate independent and alternative music, because through that, I've been able to put my entire record label advance into the making of Archon, which I was never able to do before. I had to cut the advance and be like, okay, well, this will go to bills. This will go to mixing, you know? But I was just like, I can put it all in because I finally have the stability of a consistent income from my patrons who bless them all for giving me the um, the privilege of having a consistent income for the first time in my life. <laughs> and I think that's really the only way that we're going to heal music at this point. And there's so many other things that I could bring up that are more hypothetical. But realistically, Patreon and patronage models are are probably the future.
0: And, and it's interesting, you know, you, you saying you've been making music as Zola Jesus since you were 19. So you've been at this for almost like 15 years now or so. And you had talked about just this idea of burnout, like feeling like you have to, you know, I've met a lot of artists feeling like they have to tour all the time and how unsustainable that is. And so, you know, for you, having done music for so long, how do you balance burnout? But also, like, how have you been able to to just get by as a musician, to be able to maintain your career as a musician, like financially?
1: It's such a a dance and it can really be feast or famine. And so even if things are going well for a little bit, it doesn't mean that they're going to be going well for much longer. (laughs) So everything has to be very strategic and, and you just have to be really smart with saving money and smart with like what you put your money into and really smart with touring because touring can be insanely expensive. And I've been on so many tours that have lost money. So I do this four-week-long grind and my body and my voice are wrecked afterwards and I lost money. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. who am I doing this for? At some point, you need to start looking at things more strategically and go, okay, how can I? how can this become sustainable for me? And and in terms of avoiding burnout, Patreon allowed me the privilege of being able to take time off, and you know, make mixes and make incense and do things that that I can do in the meantime while I'm resetting my brain and my emotional self to be able to write another album. But I really think people just need to be aware that this whole cycle is happening too fast for musicians, and so having expectations of things happening a little bit more slowly in terms of new records and touring and things like that will really help the mental health and physical health of musicians.
0: Yeah. You know, we, we do a series um, here on Sound and Vision we have before um, called Day Job, where we talk to artists about what their day jobs are, just what do they have to do to get by? And I, I, I'm wondering, like, do you also have to have a day job in order to make music as Zola Jesus?
1: I don't, thankfully, I don't have to have a day job, but I do little day jobs like again like I made incense or running my Patreon feels like a part-time job, sometimes a full-time job. But I'm so I'm so grateful that I haven't had to have a day job um because I can't imagine how hard it is to juggle a day job and having a music career at the same time. It's just whew, It's a lot yeah. of work.
0: But also, I mean, I'm speaking to you, you, you live in Wisconsin, you know, I'm, I'm also from the Midwest. And I also just think like, I feel like so often musicians feel like they have to go to hubs like LA or New York or whatever to feel like they need to launch themselves. But for you to be able to do what you've been doing in the Midwest, you know, where it's a lot more affordable, I feel like does does just the location matter in order for you to be able to continue being an artist?
1: Definitely, I definitely think so. Because my my house was significantly. I built a house on the land where I grew up and, you know, with building the house and everything, it was significantly cheaper than trying to buy a house in Seattle or in LA, which is where I was looking at the time. And the cost of living is much lower here. So it really does help provide me a sense of security to not feel like I'm I'm enmeshed in this like city web that's constantly draining money out of you, you know? So that really, I think that really helps. And I do think that, you know, musicians need to be smarter about where their money is going. So like not spending thousands and thousands of dollars a month on rent in a city, especially if you barely leave your house or you're not using that time in that city to do musical things, if it's not paying off, like, I wouldn't stay there because it's only going to drain you and keep you from being able to actually survive doing this.
0: That was my conversation with Zola Jesus. Her new album is out now. It's called Archon.